Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and this is episode 24. And today we're going to take a look at the National Association of Letter Carriers. But first of all, I want to give a shout out to uh, my listeners here. I'm going to take a look here at my list of who I want to give a shout out to. So that's going to be Texas, Oklahoma, New Brunswick. Thank you so much for joining in, New Brunswick. You are new to our lovely podcast, so congratulations and thank you for joining. Then there is Virginia and New York. In terms of countries, there is the United States, Canada. Love you, Canada. You're wonderful. And then the Netherlands. Thank you so much for joining in. I'm trying to think if I've ever met anyone from the Netherlands. I don't think I have. I've met a couple people from Denmark. But I don't think I've ever met anyone from the Netherlands, but you you guys are wonderful. I love your country. Even though I've never visited there, you guys are always good. I always hear good things about your country, so that's really awesome there. So let's go ahead and get started on this union. It was founded in 1889. It is headquartered in Washington D.C. Location is the United States. They have 277,000 members. And what I like about this particular article is that it actually does list all the presidents. that have served in this union and it gives their time frame which I think is really good because that to me says honesty so that's really good. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. It says the National Association of Letter Carriers, also known as NALC, is an American labor union representing non-rural letter carriers employed by the United States Postal Service. It was founded in 1889. The NALC has 2500 local branches representing letter carriers in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands and Guam. I didn't know that about the Virgin Islands because when I think of the Virgin Islands, I forget that there's the United States side and the British side because I've been to the British Virgin Islands several years ago, many, many, many years ago. It's very beautiful. But I totally forgot that the United States has the the American side. I didn't realize that, but you could always tell which side is the American side. and at least before the hurricane or storm hit there cuz we were on the british side the british virgin islands and you looked across you know just the way and there's the american side and it's all built up it's very capitalized has all these lights whereas the british virgin islands um had way less lights i mean it's still just as beautiful but it's not as developed i mean it was really interesting so what i liked about being on the british side was that we could actually see the stars at night it was so beautiful and I remember walking to dinner because we were staying at a resort and you got to walk down a really steep slope because this was literally on on one of their islands and so um we were walking down to dinner and I just stopped and looked up and I had never seen so many stars in all my life and I love the stars I love galaxies I I love science I love all that stuff I love our solar system but just to see it like that was just so beautiful it just took my breath away it just stood there like in a stupor just looking up I was just so amazed. And so every night whenever I got the chance, I would make it a point to go outside and just look up at the sky. I absolutely loved it. So anyway, but back to this uh union here. It says letter carriers were the first postal workers to form their own union. They had tried to organize a national union at least 3 times in 1870 in Washington DC, in 1877 in New York City, and in 1880 again in New York City. recognizing that these earlier attempts had failed in part due to due to the expense of regularly convening enough carriers to sustain a national organization in 1889 the Milwaukee Letter Carriers Association declined or sorry decided to time their call for another national meeting of carriers to coincide with the annual reunion of the Grand Army of the Republic that's very interesting 
I have never heard of the Grand Army of the Republic, an organization of Union Army veterans, so that letter carriers who were veterans could take advantage of reduced train fares. Oh, that's interesting. I'm learning something new with this. On August 29, 1889, delegates. Delegates moved quickly, unanimously, adopting a resolution to form a national association of letter carriers. On the next day, August 30, 1889, they elected William Wood of Detroit as the first president and appointed an executive board to coordinate all legislative efforts. NALC had 52 locals called branches with 4,600 members in 1890 and 335 branches by 1892. In the beginning, the union focused on forcing postmasters to honor federal law mandating an eight-hour day for federal employees. In 1893, the NALC won a Supreme Court decision and a $3.5 million in back overtime pay. Whoa. Yeah, that, that's a problem. Um, you should never withhold someone's pay. That's really sad. That's happening in the late 1800s. That's not even a union issue. That's just do the right thing. Local postmasters vigorously opposed the union, even though it did not sponsor strikes. I'm kind of surprised that postmasters would do that. Because I've met some postmasters over the years, and maybe it's just because they're way more pro-union now, but I'm just surprised that postmasters would do that even back then. It goes on to say, NALC joined the American Federation of Labor in 1917. In the early 1940s, Mario, I don't know how to say his last name, Biagi, A future highly decorated policeman and U.S. congressman became active in New York's Branch 36. By the mid-1960s, NALC had 175,000 members and 6,400 local branches. The history of the National Association of Letter Carriers is documented through archival collections at the Walter P. Ruther Library in Detroit, Michigan. That might be interesting to go see that because I love libraries and I love history. So then it talks about the 1970 strike. It says, letter carrier morale plummeted during the mid-1960s as inflation eroded carrier salaries. Now, what I want to remind you here with the 1960s, we also had a very extremely high tax bracket on the wealthy at that time. I'll probably do a separate podcast episode talking about tax brackets and how they affect our economy, but basically the rich were overly taxed big time. We're talking like, I think the highest tax bracket was like 60 or 70 percent. I mean, it was horrible in the United States because that tax bracket did not or that tax rate did not go down until Reagan got in office and just sliced that puppy in half because he was very much aware that if you are overtaxing your people, it doesn't matter whether they're rich or poor or middle class. If you're overtaxing your people, the middle class diminishes, more people become poverty stricken and the wealthy, they get bumped down to middle class. And if they are able to remain wealthy, they're not going to invest in their country or their economy like they were before because they literally don't have the money to do so. This affects everything within your country. If people don't have money, if it's just going straight to the federal government at a really high rate, that greatly affects every avenue and every type of labor in your country. So that's kind of what that is referring to there. It says a growing sense of militancy developed as carriers and their families in big cities neared the poverty level, like just like what I talked about. In New York City's Branch 36, a storm of protest erupted when President Richard Nixon provided only a 4.1% pay raise in 1969, a figure the NALC deemed unacceptable. You know, they may deem it unacceptable, but, you know, is it feasible for people 
to receive a, a higher wage than that or a higher salary or, or higher word this like like for example I remember when stamps went cheaper I remember when stamps were way cheaper than they are now well the way that they the way that they raise um or they collect pay raises for these people for the post office is they raise the price of goods they raise the price of stamps they raise the price on all that stuff so I remember one year oh gosh what year was it I cannot remember but the price of stamps went up tremendously and so I didn't hardly go to the post office I didn't hardly send any mail I had to cut back because I didn't want to pay that much to send a, a a Christmas card or a letter if I could email or fax. I did that. I did everything I could to avoid the post office because I felt their rates were too high. That's probably what happened here because the post office is known for being very unrealistic about their pay. It just is, and they are overinflated on their on their pay. And President Trump talked about that because He brought it to the forefront. I mean, he really tried hard to help the the USPS. You know, Trump is all for people making more money. He really is. He wants people to be wealthy, but it it comes at a cost, meaning it comes down to the cost that's passed on to the consumer. And so, USPS is not known for managing their money very well, especially as a union. They're not known for understanding inflation. That, you know, just because inflation affects postal workers, that doesn't mean the rest of us are not affected by it. So I mean they can throw a hissy fit all day and all night about unacceptable pay raises or things of that nature, but you know, look at the rest of us. I mean if there is inflation happening with postal workers more than likely it is happening all it is happening all across the country. So I mean that's what I was talking about earlier in a previous podcast where favoritism has no has no place in our country, especially within unions, but unfortunately unions they try and play the favoritism card well favoritism does not help our economy it's a form of discrimination so i'm surprised that unions would even practice that but they put themselves above other people's labor and then try and make it seem like their paycheck is more important than other people's when it's not all of our paychecks are important all of our wages are important and when one of us suffers we all suffer but that doesn't mean that just because one entity is suffering that we make it a point to help their wages but not help everybody else's because then you are creating inequality especially when it comes to pay and social status and when it comes to tax brackets big time it goes on to say events escalated as the christmas mail rush neared and nixon called nalc president james raidmacher i'm not sure how to pronounce his last name to the white house to forge a compromise that tied a pay raise in 1970 to the concept of an independent postal authority to bargain with postal unions. So, President Nixon was trying. I know he had his flaws, we all do, but he was trying to help them. I doubt the union probably appreciated it. The Nixon Raid Matcher Agreement increased letter carriers or sorry, not increased incentives. That's a weird word. The agreement incents or probably incentivize, I guess, letter carriers and when a house committee the following March approved a bill reflecting the Nixon raid matcher compromise calls for a strike were shouted in New York's branch 36 and other branches despite being barred from participating in a strike on March 17, 1970 the votes were counted in branch 36 and a long threatened strike was approved and it gives the numbers and it was barely approved At 12:01 a.m. on March 18th, picket lines created by Branch 36 went up at post offices throughout the Manhattan and the Bronx 
in New York City as letter carriers went on strike. Within two days, more than 200,000 letter carriers and other postal employees across the country had joined the walkout. Okay, that's a big problem because here they are committing a federal offense by refusing to give people their mail. They are withholding their mail. That is a federal offense. So unions, they have a bad habit of thinking that they are above the law because they throw a hissy fit. You know, say, for example, oh, how can I word this? Okay, let's say the DMV. So let's say, for example, I don't want to have to get a driver's license anymore. So let's say I form a picket line outside the DMV and I, re- I recruit a bunch of people to agree with me that we don't want to have to pay to get a driver's license anymore. Once we reach 18, we're citizens of the United States. We don't want to have to do that anymore. So instead of following the law, we rip up or destroy our driver's licenses and then we just start driving around with that driver's licenses all across the United States. And so we are defiant against the law because we're putting ourselves above the law. That is a horrible thing to do, and I pray that no one ever does that because you'd be very stupid to do something like that. But here's the thing. That's exactly what um, this union did. They basically gave the finger to the American people. They basically flip, flipped them off and said, hey, we want more money or you're not going to get your mail. Well, just think about all the different types of mail that people get. They get Christmas cards. They also get business letters. They also get paychecks in the mail. And here's another thing. They might also be receiving a letter from their doctor letting them know, you know whether or not they have cancer or something. But the thing about this union is they did not care. They did not value other people at all, really, with this. And that's what I don't like about picketing and things like this is that it, it creates favoritism. And within favoritism is discrimination, which is completely wrong. So then it goes on to say Nixon called out, 25,000 soldiers to move the mail in New York City. Good for him. The strike ended after eight days when local NALC leaders assured strikers that an agreement had been reached, even though their word was premature. Round-the-clock negotiations began, and on August 2nd, a satisfactory agreement was reached, which was quickly approved by Congress. The NALC Office of the President, James H. Raidmatcher records, contain archival material related to the strike. That would be interesting to take a look at that. But, I mean, it's just kind of those things that unions, they, they, they try and act like they are the government. They try and act like they're everybody else's boss. And it's like, no, you're not. You know, you, you can't even act like a boss to yourself because they're throwing such hissy fits and things like this. Should people get raises? Yes. But it should be acceptable raises. Is it feasible? You know, who doesn't want to raise? But if, but if you're not able to bring in the money to account for that, then you're not getting the raise. That's just basic business practices, and that's what President Trump was trying to get done in the, in the United States Postal Service. He was trying to help them realize that you know, just because you want to make 200 k a year or something, that doesn't mean you will be able to because you're passing on that pay rate and that burden onto the American people with the services that you're providing or not providing because I don't know anyone that actually enjoys going to the post office. If anything, I hear about people that hate going to the post office. They don't like how they're treated. And what's interesting is that there are a lot of uh, postal workers that they know that they're in a union. They know that they um, can act like a bully. And I've met some really mean postal workers over the years. It's rare that I meet a nice one. I've met like one or two. But out of all the years I've had to go to the post office, almost all of them were mean and hateful and rude. Just mean. Didn't care about you at all. They might yell. I never heard them curse. At least the ones I went to. 
But, you know, their services were horrible. Like, for example, I can't tell you how many times I've been to the post office and they have all these windows, like where a, uh, a uh, post office worker is supposed to be standing there to help, but they're closed. So they have all these available cash registers that they can operate, but they only put like one worker out there. And so when you go to the post office, instead of it being easy peasy and run efficiently, it takes like 30 minutes to an hour to get something done. Like that's not efficiency. That's incompetence. So, you know, that's what that, that's what kind of bugs me about all that is that You know, here they are. They want they consistently want raises all the time. They're not realistic at all, especially for the industry, but yet they're not providing really any better service. You know, they they want us to pay all this extra money for postage and things like that, but when it comes down to it, you know, a lot of their stuff is being moved online. So why should I have to pay all that pricing if it's it's becoming more and more online? I mean, I don't think we can ever completely do away with a brick and mortar post office because sometimes you really do need to go to the post office but i just think it's ridiculous that they're wanting all this money but yet they're not providing you know great service they're not providing amazing service like fedex or something and i haven't always been happy with fedex but in terms of like services and how they get stuff done fedex gets the job done and they are really efficient and they are a private company they have they have nothing to do with the united states government hence they are very successful because of that basically Whatever the government runs is is basically one one step above the sewer in terms of how it operates and functions. It's just a money pit. It's just it's just sucking your money down a drain. And it's our money, the taxpayers' money that's getting sucked down that drain. So that's why you do not want the government in charge of things that it should not be in charge of big time. So then it goes on to say the militancy that came out of New York's Branch 36 during the strike changed forever the nature of the NALC. I'm not surprised. In 1971, a nationwide rank and file movement led by Vincent Sombrato of Branch 36 was formed with goals of giving members the right to vote directly for national union officers and ending a proxy system that had prevented non-incumbents from breaking into the union's power structure. Now that I can understand because if I'm reading that correctly, he's sick and tired of the same people being in control and it feels like you don't have a vote, you don't have a voice. That would frustrate anyone. Sombrato was elected national president in 1978, ousting incumbent president J. Joseph Vaca, or Vaca. He moved quickly to enhance the union's lobbying power with Congress and the executive branch. I don't agree with that. Lobbying has no place affecting our government. They need to stay out of that. It doesn't matter whether it's USPS or a pharmaceutical company. I do not like lobbying. That's wrong. It goes on to say, as well as the NACL structure or stature within the trade union movement. Like most other unions in the United States, the NALC and most of its rank and file is involved politically. I completely disagree with that. That is so wrong and has largely supported the Democratic Party. Why am I not surprised? Although has been critical of Democrats on occasion such as President Lyndon B. Johnson when he vetoed a postal pay raise. <laughs> no wonder they didn't like him in the mid-1960s. The union has also supported a number of individual Republican candidates. I'm surprised by that. I would like proof of that. Prior to the Postal Reorganization Act of 1970, the United States Postal Service was a federal executive department under the name Post Office Department and the Postmaster General was member of the cabinet. And I want to mention this, the Postmaster General has way too much power. They need to be dethroned. That's one of the problems. You have this bureaucracy that takes place 
And it's just wrong. Bureaucracy has no place in the United States, and it's happening here in the USPS. And apparently it's been going on for a long time. The rate of postal pay was set by the Congress by federal law, meaning that the Postal Service and its employees were deeply affected by Congress. Pity party? The NALC strongly supported the Postal Reorganization Act. NALC's expertise has traditionally been in lobbying than in traditional labor management relations and collective bargaining. That's a problem. If they're putting all their efforts into lobbying, that tells me they don't really care. They're just in it for the money. That's sad. That's really sickening. Like all federal agencies under the Taft-Hartley Act, the Postal Service is an open shop, and no one can be compelled to join the NALC or any other union as a condition of gaining or continuing employment with the government. I don't know about that, because I've known some postal, not necessarily specific workers, but it's kind of known that the post office, it's like you're either with us or against us kind of mentality, and they're kind of combative, they're kind of bullies, so I, I kind of get concerned with that. goes on to say other federal laws prohibit letter carriers like other public employees from striking. Nonetheless, over 93% of all working letter carriers are members of the NALC, and the union is now recognized as the collective bargaining agent for all city carriers. The NALC distinguishes itself from other unions in several ways. For example, membership is completely voluntary. NALC states that its membership includes 277,000 active and retired members. including approximately 180,000 active city delivery letter carriers employed by the U.S. Postal Service, either as full-time letter carriers or part-time carriers known as city carrier assistants. NALC also refers to its chapters as branches rather than locals. NALC developed its own retirement community for its members in Nelcrest, Florida. It also operates a mutual benefit association which sells life insurance to members and has its own health benefit plan. The NALC Health Benefit Plan, which predates the Federal Employees Health Benefit Plan, in which letter carriers as federal employees also participate. Now, I want to mention this. USPS, they are known for having really cushy benefits that are not feasible or reasonable, and here's why. They are wanting all of these really luxurious health benefits that regular people like you and me do not have access to, but yet they put us on the hook to pay for all those And they put us on the hook for that bill by overpricing stamps and mail services. So that's how they're operating that. So you know, they want all these cushy benefits, but they don't want to pay for it themselves. They want you and me to pay for it. Whereas you and I, if we want really cushy benefits, we have to invest in it ourselves, whereas they do not. That's the problem. They want everybody to pamper them, but they don't want to pamper other people. That's very one-sided, and that's not a good way to run a business at all. It's, it's very hypocritical, and it's very much nepotism, and it's wrong. It says, over the years, the NALC has worked to negotiate the wages and working conditions of city letter carriers. Some of the negotiated issues are the maximum weight of an item that an employee may be required to lift, the maximum weight that an employee can be required to carry in his or her satchel, safe delivery methods, and the letter carrier uniform. The NALC is opposed to postal privatization. I'm not surprised. They, they, they don't want to be held accountable for their stupidness of how they mismanage their funds. And to any termination of the USPS postal monopoly on first-class mail. Hmm, thought monopolies were illegal. As well as to contract delivery services, the contracting out of postal work to non-USPS independent contractor employees who have lower wages and fewer benefits or none at all than USPS employees. 
Then it talks about charitable and philanthropic activities. It says the union has a close relationship with the Muscular Dystrophy Association. The NALC was the first national sponsor of MDA and letter carriers are among the charity's top fundraisers. Then it goes on to talk about letter carriers stamp out hunger food drive. Good luck with that. Hunger is a part of life. So it's one of those things that I feel like unions, they, they, they latch on to a cause and then they try and make it their own and they just use it to really make themselves look good. Hunger is horrible, but hunger happens. So what I don't like is when unions, they, the only reason why they latch on to something is to make themselves look good. I would be more impressed if no one knew they were having a hunger food drive. Like, like they were just doing a good deed without having to get publicity and, and without people really knowing about it. Like that's a good deed. When people know about it and you really promote it like that, then it's no longer a good deed. It's only you patting yourself on your back, which is what I don't like about things like this. It says, each year on the second Saturday in May, as they deliver the mail, letter carriers collect non-perishable food donations left by the mailboxes on their route from postal customers participating in the NALC Stamp Out Hunger Food Drive. It is considered the largest one-day food co- collection effort in the United States. Participation is strictly voluntary. Yeah, because they probably don't want to force people to donate food, just like they force us to pay high prices on stamps. The national coordinated effort by the, by the NALC grew out of discussions in 1991 by a number of leaders at the time, so basically people that think they have brains, including NALC President Vincent Sombrato, AFL-CIO Community Services Director Joseph Valasquez, and USPS Postmaster General Anthony Frank. A pilot drive was held in 10 cities in October 1991, and it proved so successful that work began imme- immediately on making it a nationwide effort. Input from food banks and pantries suggested that late spring would be the best time since by then most food banks in the country start running out of donations received during the Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday periods. In 2014, the drive gathered 72.5 million pounds of food. The 11th consecutive year, the drive surpassed 70 million pounds. That year's results brought the total to more than 1.3 billion pounds since the national drive began in 1992. The Stamp Out Hunger Food Drive has also received two presidential certificates of achievement. Really? I have to call the BS card on this, and here's why. It, you know, I have never heard of where this food goes. Never. And I, I've heard of different food drives, but it's just one of those things, it's like, where is it going? You know, they can claim that they, they collect that much food and they give that much food, but I have never actually seen or heard where it actually goes. And we do have poor people here in Oklahoma. We have pockets of poverty just like anywhere else. But the thing is, like, where is all this food going? And what reminds me of, it reminds me of Africa. Like, Africa is suffering way worse than the United States in terms of hunger. And so what has been happening over in Africa, I don't know if you're aware of this. When I became aware of it, I was very disappointed at this news. But, you know, there are different organizations that um, they accept donations to take food or supplies over to Africa. What did not come out until much later, and I don't know the date or anything, but what did not come out until much later was that all this food and monies that different people and organizations were donating to Africa was being stolen by the, the African government. So you've got all these you know, countries within Africa, all these little city-states and things like that, that... 
their governments are very corrupt, very much corrupt. And they were stealing um the food, the supplies, the monies. So people that thought that they were donating, they didn't know where this stuff was ending up. They they did not, and it's very unfortunate. Now, what I can say about local and national things in the United States As I know that um in my home state of Oklahoma we do have different local organizations that they have a day or two throughout the year that they offer to collect um non-perishable food and we know where that is going. And here's the thing, these organizations that do this locally, I'm not aware that they have ever received a presidential certificate of achievement. So I just think it's cocky and arrogant for USPS to do this and to get these presidential certificates of achievement. I just I think it's one more way they pat themselves on the back and make it look like they're doing a whole lot of good when they're one of the most mismanaged entities in our country and it directly affects our mail. Like that is a big problem. So that's one thing that I don't like about unions like this. They they put on their little do-gooder hat. Look at me, look at what we're doing. And I guess that's supposed to excuse their mismanagement of monies. That's supposed to excuse their picketing. That's supposed to excuse them not delivering our mail. It doesn't. Because it's a federal offense for them to not do their job. It's a federal offense for for them not to deliver their mail. So not to deliver not to deliver our mail, I should say. So one thing I would ask them like if they're out picketing and they're not doing their their job are they actually sending this food where it's supposed to go are they delivering it like if they're not delivering our mail are they actually delivering this food like those are the kind of questions that i think of with things like this because it doesn't come across as ethical that's the problem it doesn't come across as ethical at all because they want favoritism and they just latch on to something that pulls on your heartstrings And I just roll my eyes because I I don't I don't buy that. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of this guy that that I met years ago, and um, he wanted us to date, and he was trying to reel me in with this sob story about his ex-wife, his kid, all this stuff. And it was just one sob story after another. And it's just like you know, I don't fall for that. I don't fall for that. There was just something that did not seem legit about it. It's almost the exact same thing here. When someone just tries to pull at your your, your heartstrings and expects you to have your feelings on 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 the sleeve, on your cuff, that always gets my attention because I'm always wondering what is their motive. Cuz if I understand the motive, then I know where they're coming from. But from what I can see with this union, they don't always have the best motives. Because at the end of the day, it's you and me, the regular citizens of the United States, the ones that are not in this union. It's it's us that are being uh, forced to pay for their benefits, and we're being forced to pay for all this stuff via the high price of stamps, the high price of their services, and they're not even good at what they do. I mean, it, it's ridiculous the prices that they charge now just to like you have to purchase a tracking number. You have to purchase a tracking number for stuff. It's ridiculous. It's like really like is it going to show me when when you don't show up to your job and you don't deliver the mail? Is that part of the fee? Is that part of the cost because that's what I'm going to ask. But moving on cuz I could go on about that. But anyway, it goes on to say National Heroes of the Year. Let's see what this says. 
Each fall, the NALC holds an award ceremony highlighting acts performed by NALC letter carriers. Well, I'm not surprised. Pat yourself on the back and branches above and beyond their duties of carrying the mail. The 2014 National Heroes of the Year award ceremony recognized letter letter sorry, several letter carriers, a national hero, a humanitarian of the year, heroes from the eastern, central and western regions of the United States. as well as one branch and one post office as national heroes of the year really you call those heroes you know what a hero is to me a veteran that got shot at and or lost a limb while defending our country while we got to stay here at home and live our lives in peace delivering someone's mail doesn't make you a hero and i would want to know what did they do that was above and beyond their 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 duties Like was it actually showing up to work? Was it not being mean to customers? What was it? I would want to know. Like I just think it's it gets so old and I used to not get irritated about this, but the older I get, the the, the more it gets my attention with stuff like this. Everybody wants to be called a hero. And that just really bugs me because a hero is someone that they they do something that is usually dealing with a life and death situation or maybe like a scientific invention that 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 can heal people that can cure people um the word hero has been so misused it's like those stupid ribbons that people wear like i remember when the ribbon first came out i think it was for breast cancer awareness or maybe there was one for our military men and women i can't you know i'm just going off of what i remember from when i was younger but um Then everybody had a ribbon. You know, they're they're wearing a ribbon for this organization, that organization. I'm like, this is out of control. Like, this is stupid. Like, I'm supposed to know what all these different colors mean. It's pathetic, and I literally mean pathetic. It, it's it's sick that our society, and I don't know how it is in other countries, but in the United States, it's it's like we just want to give ourselves awards. Look at me, pat myself on the back, call me good. put my name on a plaque so I can hang it on my wall and whenever someone comes in my office I point it out the arrogance of that the arrogance of that is what really irritates me about that cuz I remember when I was a kid it was unheard of for awards to just be given out you know like uh confetti or something it used to mean something to get an award it used to mean something to be called a national hero you know who a national hero is to me the the guys that survived World War II and they're being honored with these different medals that they get from the president like to me that's a that's a hero you know someone that stormed the the beaches of Normandy literally under rapid gunfire and then you know maybe they they see their 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 brother or their you know fellow soldier die right in front of them but but they know they have to keep going because they're fighting a war. That is a national hero. So whenever people start patting themselves on the back, I'm just like, "Here we go. Leslie, don't grind your teeth because teeth can be expensive. I don't have false teeth, but I know it's not worth grinding your teeth over these morons and these idiots because that's how dumb it is to me." I I I just think you have to be careful who you call a hero. You really do because then you're just inflating their ego. And the USPS, they have an ego problem. They've had an ego problem for a long time. Long time. So I think just giving out these awards like this, it's dumb. It doesn't mean anything. Like I'm not impressed with it at all. 
I think it's absolutely stupid. They're not inventing anything. They're not curing anybody. They didn't save anybody's life. I mean, that to me is a hero. I mean, maybe they have their own ribbon. I have no idea what it is, but I would never wear it. Like I stopped wearing ribbons altogether. So I'm not just, you know, anti-USPS or anything. I'm not really anti-USPS. I'm just irritated about this about this specific stuff that I don't agree with, but like I remember when I, there was a job I worked. I think I said this in a previous podcast. Um I was working for a retailer and they were all for Susan B. Komen wearing the pink ribbon. And another part of that story was they want me to wear the ribbon. I was like I'm not wearing that. I don't agree with it. And so they're like, so you're not for fighting breast cancer? I was like, that's how stupid you are to say that and think that. So in order for me to prove to you that I believe in fighting breast cancer, I have to wear a pink ribbon. Like what I believe in and what I stand for is my business. It's not anybody else's business. And it is especially not my employer's business. Like that really bugged me especially as a young like really young woman like teeny bopper/early 20s. It's like no 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 no, you don't tell me how to think, you don't tell me how to dress, you don't tell me what to do with this. Like this is what I support is what I support. Big time. But it was so interesting when they 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 turn it on you. They try and manipulate you and they say, "Well, if you don't wear the pink ribbon, then then you're okay with women dying horrible deaths from breast cancer." How cruel and sick is it to say that? That is unbelievably disturbing. But that kind of mindset has been going on for years cuz I think I worked at that retailer was it 2004 or 2005? I mean, that was a while ago, like 17 years ago. But that kind of arrogance, that pompousness has been a problem in our country for a long time. And I just really was against how I word this. When I believe in something, I believe in it. So whatever I believe in, I mean it. And what I realized is that a lot of these people that wear these ribbons and then they give themselves awards, they don't really mean it. Because to me the proof is in the pudding. Cuz I think that, you know, in regards to wearing that pink ribbon, if it's associated with the Susan B. Komen Foundation, I'd be like, "Oh, so you value human life. Is that correct?" Yes. Then why is it money is going towards abortions? Is the unborn not just as important as someone who has been born? I would want to know why does this organization, Susan B. Komen, think that they can take monies that are supposed to go towards helping women survive and beat breast cancer but instead send it to Planned Parenthood, which we know is just abortion clinics, it's birth control. They're not detecting breast cancer. They don't have mammograms there. I've never heard of that. But it's the same thing with this with USPS. It's kind of like what is the what is the intention? And I'm always suspicious when someone pats themselves on the back. You know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, this one guy, he was he was a hoot, but he was such a lazy bum. Um, I was working for this technology firm. And if he's if he's listening to this, he will totally know I'm talking about him, but I was working for this technology firm. And um this firm they would find a way to um recognize employees for their good work they call it love notes so whenever um a customer or client or a, a company or a fellow employee or a manager would would want to recognize someone's good work they would send a love note to this email inbox in this company 
And then um, part of my job, part of my administrative responsibilities, was to check this inbox, and most of it was laughable. I was like, really, you, you, you want a pat on the back for just doing your job. Not going above your job, but just doing your job. Yeah, that, what a compliment. But, um, so there's this one love note that I just laughed at it, but the enti- it, it literally irritated the entire company. <laughs> and here's why. So this customer sent in this amazing review of this guy that I worked with. And um, we all knew he didn't really do the work. He, he was just the mouthpiece. He was just the good-looking guy. He was good-looking. Um, he got a little fat, but, you know, he, he was good-looking. And um, it, it's so interesting when good-looking men, they get all these positive reviews. But when it comes to the women that are doing the grunt work, they're not getting positive reviews by the women because they want to be around the hot guy. Well, that's kind of what happened here as well. And so um, all these other people, both male and female, did a lot of this work, like behind-the-scenes work um, on this particular software project. Well, the client was only communicating with this guy, I guess. And he wasn't letting them know that, hey, I work on a team. I'll have someone take a look at this. He was basically taking all the credit every step of the way. He was not acknowledging other people's work. He was basically stealing street cred is what he was doing. So this love note comes in. So I've got to post this to the company website. I'm like, oh, I'm going to hear it from every department on this one. I know it. I'm going to hear it. <laughs> and I did. So I posted it to the company website. Oh, man. People started walking by my desk. Who does he think he is? He didn't do any work. Can you believe this? I'm like, have you looked at the guy? He's cocky. He's arrogant. He's good looking. He's overweight. And he's still good looking. Like, give me a break. Of course he's going to act like this. Of course he's going to screw you out of your recognition. Of course he is. That, that, that's what he does. Like, get over it. Like, why, you know, go call him out on it, you know. And what was funny was um, he, I would see him walking the halls, and he was all, you know, had his, had his nose up in the air, and people were just like, oh, I can't stand this guy. But he was in his own little world, and he comes by my desk, and he's like, yeah. I got a love note. I was like, yes, I know. I'm the one that posts them, and you know that. And we just busted out laughing. Like, the arrogance just came out of this guy. It was so funny. Like, I didn't let it get under my skin. I just laughed at him. And, and he knew that I knew that he was, he, he, he was just fluff. He wasn't the real stuff. He was just fluff. And women would just drool all over him, but I never did. I was just like, whatever. I think you've got enough drool around you to last you a lifetime, so I think I'll pass on that. But, and we would just laugh. And he's like, man, some people are, are really angry that I got this love note. You know, that I got recognized for my work. I'm like, oh, really? Your work, huh? And we busted out laughing. I was like, wow, so you think nobody else helped you with that? You know, we just busted out laughing. And he knew. He knew he was still in other people's cred. But what was funny was he kept getting all these other love notes. <laughs> Because his job, he worked, I guess, in data IT of some sort. He was basically an uh, overinflated customer service rep is what he was. And so um, he, uh, because these women at these other companies, when they would see his picture, like in his email, they're like, oh, he's so, he's such a good helper. He's... Oh, is there any way that, that I can give you credit for this? Is there any way that I can speak to your manager and just say how good you are? And just, I mean, it was just drooling, even through emails. I mean, it was ridiculous. So then he gets another love note and another love note. <laughs> he really irritated the people in this company. The higher-ups thought it was funny. They're like, eh, you know, whatever. But um, 
So anyway, my point is this, people know when your reward or your award is real and when it's not. People know when it's fluff, they know when it's legit, they know when it's not legit, they know when someone's just patting themselves on the back. And you know, I wish USPS, you know, would be a little more comical in this article about how they, you know, pat themselves on the back. But anyway, it it just makes me laugh because nothing is new under the sun. It, it is so true what King David or King Solomon said, where they said, "There's nothing new under the sun." It, there really isn't. You know, in terms of what we look at our lives, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just the, te- the technology changes. But in terms of human behavior, nothing is new. There's always going to be someone that's trying to take your credit, trying to take your raise, and put their name on your project, which is what this guy was doing. And so get this, he had a birthday party, so he starts inviting people. And I was like, I wonder how many people are actually going to show up. <laughs> It was so funny. So, he actually invited me. I couldn't believe he invited me. I was like, wow, he knows that I'm not falling for anything. Oh, here's another thing, he was married. That's another thing, these women. I forgot to mention that. This makes this story even juicier, right? So, this guy was married. Had kids. I never saw his wife. I don't think I ever saw a picture of her, but I felt sorry for her because she had to know he was good-looking and and cocky and you know, he was definitely trying to reel in these women but wouldn't would not consummate it, I would say. I don't think he actually cheated on his wife per se. Although there was one woman that he would walk around with all the time and and she was married and um said she's getting divorced, but who knows, but they were just kind of overly attached at the hip. It was kind of a scandal um at this company. And it's like what else is new? Like I just roll my eyes. I'm like people just get to work. Like just if you focus on your job, then you're not going to have these problems. But anyway, so he had a birthday party. I was invited and and I went and it was a fun birthday party. I mean, he was actually um he he could actually be really nice, but it was really funny. I don't I don't even remember his wife being there. I just don't remember it. Um I guess I was so distracted by the people that actually showed up because I had no doubt some of them were still really irritated. <laughs> But I guess that's a true friend, you know, like true friendship is where you know what your friend is like. You know they're uh cocky, arrogant and they will be the first to throw you under the bus. But then, you know, they might get your birthday present. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you know, it's just a uh, different types of loyalty, I guess. But anyway, that's what it reminds me of. And again, you know, we all know when um when an award is merited and when it is not. We all know when a title is merited and when it is not. And that's what it makes me think of. That's just how I view it and, and look at it. But anyway, um so on to the next section. It says uh working to elect members of Congress who support NACL priorities and a primary objective of the union's political affairs operation. That is concerning. They should not be doing that at all. That should be illegal. The NALC's Political Action Fund or PAC, PAC, is called the Committee on Letter Carrier Political Education. Wow, so basically they just give themselves these titles and it gives them permission to do whatever they want. It doesn't fool me, much less anybody else. So, um their stated goal is to help pro-labor, pro-letter carrier candidates get elected. What? So they can go to Washington to support and protect letter carrier jobs. Wow, so basically infiltrate our legislation. Wow, how evil and manipulative can you be? Wow. Contributing to the PAC is strictly voluntary as federal law forbids unions from using dues money for political purposes, but they should also forbid people 
from being elected if that is their sole intention is to infiltrate our legislative and our congress and our senate like they they should not be infiltrating our our political anything that that is wrong cuz i look at it this way like what if a what if a drug company did this what if a pharmaceutical drug company purposely picked someone to be their candidate and wanted to infiltrate washington so that they could have pro uh pro drug laws or something i'm making stuff up but what if that happened oh my goodness those pharmaceutical drug companies would be sued they would be reprimanded but see here's the thing unions get away with stuff like this but the private sector does not so if it's not okay in the private sector then it should not be okay in the public sector you know you have to call a spade a spade otherwise you're you're not you're not moral you're not ethical and you're not practicing good morals and values at all and that's a horrible example for our country and a horrible example for our young people. So I guess if anything, what they're doing is a good example of how to be corrupt because that's to me is what corrupt people do. It says in 2016 COLCPE, which is their big old long title for their pack, was rebranded as the Letter Carrier Political Fund. Well, at least they're being a little more blunt. At least they're calling it like it is. It is a political fund and that's their goal. It's not about you know the United States it's about them and them alone that's the problem and it goes on to talk about the hatch act it says until 1993 active letter carriers were barred from taking any significant volunteer role for any political campaigns the primary sentiment behind the law was to protect federal employees from being strong-armed and intimidated into helping their bosses run for election i can understand that because i suspect that does happen In 1993, Congress amended the Hatch Act of 1939 to allow federal employees to take an active part in political campaigns for federal offices. While there are still some restrictions on what federal employees, including active letter carriers, can do, there is more latitude for letter carrier political participation in campaigns for president, the Senate, and the House of Representatives, as well as state and local elected officials. Retired letter carriers as well as letter carrier spouses and family members are not bound by the Hatch Act. Ooh, that's interesting. Because how much you want to bet those spouses want more money? Because here's the thing: just because you have one person, you know, let's say your spouse is a letter carrier, that doesn't mean that their that their spouse who they're married to doesn't like those cushy benefits as well. I guarantee you, they have their their husbands, their wives. Well, hopefully, they're only married to one, but you know, because that would be polygamy and yet again illegal. I guarantee you they have their spouses and their children out there rooting for them and make it seem like they're the victim when they're not. So it's kind of hypocritical. But um then it lists um they have had 17 presidents since 1889 and the current president is Frederick V. Rolando. That is very interesting. So but um that is it for this lovely podcast. Um learned a lot about this labor union. um very much learned some new things but now i understand why the post office has a lot of problems um it's because they have this overinflated idea of their pay like it's one of those things that it kind of reminds me of when people want to get paid more to do the to do the exact same thing well that's not how pay raises work that's not how incentives work like typically when you want to make more money you have to provide more of a service to your employer like either you need to go get you know accredited in the field you need to get certified or maybe you're taking on a new responsibility and the reason for that is because you want to move up within your organization what a lot of these workers and USPS want to do they want to stay at the same basic level but they don't want that basic pay well you need to put your money where your mouth is if you want to make more money then do more be more educated. 
you know, move on up into management, do great and wonderful things. I'm all for people making more money. I wish everybody was rich. I would love it if we only had millionaires and billionaires and trillionaires in the United States. Because we would be a super, super abundant country, far above and beyond anybody else. I would love that. But you're not going to get there if all you do is if you keep paying people more money to do less work or the same work. That is not efficiency. That is not how you run a successful company. But unfortunately, these unions and anything to do with the federal government, they just spend money. They don't make money. They don't earn money. They don't, they don't create wealth. They don't create products. They just spend our money. And that's the problem. That's why the USPS should be privatized. I am all for that because I think services should be better. And here's the thing. Just because it's privatized, that doesn't mean they won't get good benefits. If anything, there are a lot of companies in the United States that are in the private sector. They give amazing benefits to their employees. And guess what? The, the federal tax or the, the taxpayer, which is you and me, we're not paying for those benefits. Why? Because it's in the private sector. The company is maintaining itself. And I mention that because the USPS has not been maintaining itself since the very beginning. And it's gotten worse over the years. And then they throw these hissy fits. Well, guess what? A hissy fit is still a hissy fit. So if you want to act like a five-year-old, be prepared to get an award to be known as a very productive five-year-old. So if I could send someone in the USPS organization that lovely plaque, I would totally do that. And if anything, I, you know what? I'll, I'll go this far. I'll say, you know what? I would love to present one of them with a plaque on Jimmy Kimmel's show or one of those other shows and be like, here you go. Here is your award for you throwing a hissy fit, for picketing, not delivering our mail, and when you act like a five-year-old, here's your reward for acting like a five-year-old. I would totally do that because it would, it would drive this point home. Your work has to match your title. Your work has to match your pay. What you do has to match the incentives that you get. And I bring that up because you know, people are quick to shame and blame Wall Street. And anyone that makes a lot of money in the banking industry or Wall Street industry, like they're totally calling out these CEOs on how much they make and their great benefits. Well, why shouldn't they make a lot of money? They own a business. They built it from the ground up. Why shouldn't they have good benefits? They're paying for them. The taxpayer is not paying for, for that. And, you know, our, our federal tax dollars are not going towards these CEOs. So I say, what's the problem? If someone makes a lot of money, we already know they are in a higher tax bracket. We already know that. And if anything, they're getting taxed heavily. Like whenever you have a Democrat in office, I can guarantee you their tax bracket is going to very much be a punishment. As opposed to an incentive. But the thing is, your labor needs to match your pay. And vice versa. Your pay needs to match your labor. Otherwise, if it does not match, that creates inflation. And that's what we're seeing in our economy. Not just in the United States, but in other countries as well. When you have inflation of any kind... In any industry, it affects your overall economy of your country. And when you have that happen, it affects the global market. 
Like people need to wake up to this. There are consequences to these things. And it comes down to money. And are we going to be wise or are we going to be foolish? You know, I encourage you if you have never taken a business class, take one. Just even if it's free at like a community college. Learn the basics of running a business. Even if you don't own a business, learn it. Because then you will understand your employer better. They may not be the best employer. I'm not saying that you know it's all going to be roses and ivory by any means, but it will help you understand the nature of business. It will help you understand the market. The job market, the stock market, all of it. And if anything, you will know more about your labor and what you're actually worth. And I have a prediction. If you take one of these business classes I'm talking about, I guarantee you you will you will have an idea of something that you want to do with your life. You want to have your own company, and I say go for it. The second prediction I have is that if you don't do your own company with that which that is okay, you will think, "Hey, I can make more money because I actually do quite a bit." That's good. Redo your resume. I love it when people redo their resumes. Like all you have to do is download a resume app from the iTunes store or the Droid store. I did that and it greatly helped me with my resume. And you know what? You need to put all of that in your resume like those things that you thought of, "Hey, I've actually been doing this kind of business for a long time and I didn't realize that that was actually part of my job." You know, I I think I should get promoted. Good. Good. You should get promoted, but you've got to prove that you're promotable. That's what your resume does. Your resume tells people who you are. and where you want to go. And I think that if you follow that path, you will you will be abundantly blessed. Because I think when people, well, I shouldn't say I think, I know, because I've seen this happen. When people wake up to their God-given talent and the experience that they have in the workplace, they realize they are worth more than what they're getting paid. So then they start to think, well the appropriate way to think is What can I do to make more money? Can I get promoted? Then you start looking within your organization what jobs are currently available that I can do that I know I can do. That's the appropriate way to look at. Like what are you offering your employer to move up? And by all means, let's say you're making 50k a year and then after taking this business class you realize, "Hey, I really want to apply for that that management job in in LA or or New York City and then makes 150k." Go for it. What's the worst that can happen? They can say no. But what's the best thing that can happen? They can say yes. We we want to hire you or we want to promote you. Like take a chance. Take a leap of faith and just go for it. That's what responsible people do. Irresponsible people throw a hissy fit and just want to stay in the same old position and make just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Well, you know what? You know what a little bit is? It's a little bit. It's not a lot. It's a little. That's why these people in these unions get so frustrated. And then they think that their labor is more important than somebody else's because they're so used to whining about it. Well, you know what's interesting? If they did less whining and more working, they would be making more money because then USPS and these other places of work, of employment, they would be producing enough money making enough money not producing but making enough money to actually pay their workers their their appropriate wages you have to look at it from a business point of view this isn't personal 
It's not negative. It's business. Look at it from a Shark Tank point of view. Like those people, those very successful business people on Shark Tank. What do you think they would say about unions like this? That walk out on the job and don't do their job. I don't think they would have a very positive opinion of them. I don't know how they vote. It's not my business. And I don't care. But I'm looking at it from a business point of view. When you have constant disgruntled employees that don't want to do the work, guess what? They typically get fired. Why? Because they're disgruntled, they're causing problems, and they don't do the work. Like unions are the only entities I know of in the United States at least. Other countries I can think of for sure, but in the United States that they are workers that expect to get paid even when they're not working. Doctors don't get paid when they're not working. Nurses don't get paid when they're not working. Well, unless they're in a union, but my point is this. Non-union labor, <coughs> excuse me, does not have this overinflated ego that thinks that they should collect a paycheck even when they didn't do the work. Cuz to me, if you think that you should get paid and but not lift a finger, you're the one that's unethical, you're the one that's immoral. You're the one that is you are the one that is stealing from your employer and you are stealing from the consumer. Because, you know, when you are exchanging money, there has to be an exchange. That's what labor is. Labor is where you say I will do this work for this price. That's basically what it is. That's a contract. Even without having a contract in place, that is already a contract. And it's business. It's not personal. It's business. Now it can get personal when people, such as these large unions that don't want to do their job, and then things start to shut down in the United States, like the air traffic controllers. You know, Ronald Reagan didn't put up with that, and I'm so glad he didn't put up with it because that's ridiculous. Like no union should have that much control over an entire country. That is insane. That's not democracy. That's I mean that's like a combination of socialism and communism that and, and it's also like a dictatorship. It's putting the few in charge of the many. That's that's not America. That's not democracy. That's not freedom. That's pigeonholing people and that's not right. Not by any means. And it's it's it always disappoints me to see that kind of thing. But I will say this. USPS has come a long way in their history. And I do think it is interesting that they were actually founded in 1889, but yet that doesn't mean that's when mail started being delivered. Cuz you have um like Wells Fargo and other companies like that that you know mail did get transported and monies did get transported. You had all these different companies that were private companies that transport stuff. It wasn't always through the federal government. It wasn't always through USPS. So that's why a lot of people want USPS to be privatized because that's how mail used to be sent. It was privatized back in the day. And we may not realize that, but that's part of the history of the United States. And it's a good part of our history. And if you read back in time where they're talking about the the West and pioneers, you know, they did get mail out there. But it wasn't always through USPS because USPS wasn't around 
technically, until 1889. So we need companies to be privatized. Because look at it this way. Let's say we didn't have FedEx or, or UPS. Like FedEx and UPS have changed the market in terms of mail carriers and, and delivery of shipments and packages and things like that. And that has helped our economy. Just think about how many people are employed at FedEx. I'll look that up because this will really swing this home. Because it's important to understand that you have to look outside the box. I know that's such a cliche, but don't ever pigeonhole yourself with things like this. Because when you pigeonhole yourself, you're not going to get the best price. You're not going to get the best kind of job. And it's going to negatively affect your market. And, and that's not good. So let me see if I can find how many employees they have. Let's see. I'm looking at FedEx. All right. Oh, wow. This is cool. So FedEx was founded. I need to do a podcast about them. So FedEx was founded in 1971. That's interesting. And in and, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. I did not know that. And they're headquartered in Tennessee. And let's see. They go worldwide. I'm aware of that. Oh, they have a lot of different kind of services. Okay, I'm learning a lot about them. Okay, so here's what I'm talking about with privatization. Oh, here it is. So number of employees, okay? As of October 2020, 850,000 plus employees. That's almost a million. A little less than a million. Okay, then let's look at their revenue. Their revenue year ending May 31st of 2021 was a little over a little over 193 billion. That's a billion with a B. They are creating all this revenue how by providing services to people like you and me. That's their revenue. That says a lot about their company. They are run well. They are run efficiently and they have all these employees. And I, I kid you not, like I have met so many FedEx employees. They love working for FedEx. They get great healthcare benefits. They get great hours. I have not heard a single FedEx employee complain whether it's a delivery person or a person at the at their uh, store location. And I've got to stand up for a second because I've been sitting a long time. But I just find it interesting that when you compare different entities within the same trade privatizing it makes it better because there's more accountability and also you have an increase in profits that's very important because without privatizing things it stays stagnant and you don't want things to stay stagnant like if you want to have better healthcare then you have to choose to have better healthcare you you have to find a way to make it better you you can't just stay let me put it this way let's say for example you're shopping for health insurance and you have an option of between a bronze policy a silver policy or a gold policy and let's say that your previous policy was a bronze policy but you don't really like that policy and you and you want a better healthcare policy well guess what you do you upgrade you seek a better service you seek a better product and so you look at all your options and then you the consumer and also the patient you decide do you want to stay where you're at 
Or do you want to move up? Do you want to have a silver policy or a gold policy? You have that option. You know, in regards to USPS, they have stayed stagnant at the bronze level. But yet they expect to get paid at a gold level. That doesn't work in business. But they get away with it because they're under the branch of the federal government. That's what I was talking about where where favoritism tends to be a problem within the federal government because you have these these pockets of bureaucracies that really try to control and manipulate an entire market. And the USPS has tried and successfully for a long time has tried to manipulate that particular market that they're in, which is the mail, which is basic, basic services. You know, thank goodness for FedEx and, and UPS for coming onto the scene. Because we need competition in order for our market to work, especially to work in a democracy and to work in a free market. And a free market, the basic definition of a free market is you are free to be successful. Because it is up to you what you want to do with your life. It is up to you how much you want to make. Don't ever pigeonhole yourself and think, oh, I can only make this amount of money because I only have this education. That's a lie straight out of the depths of hell. And because I'm from Oklahoma, that's typically how we talk. When we call a lie a lie, we call it a lie. Here's the thing. Don't ever pigeonhole yourself to only making a certain amount of money. If you want more money, apply to a job where you make double or triple that amount. What's the worst that can happen? They'll say no. What's the best that can happen? They say yes. And now instead of making 20k a year, you're making 60k a year. And overnight, you start making really good money. That's how you work in a democracy. That's how you work in a country that has freedom. That's how you work in a free market. It's business. It's not personal, it's business. The way that it becomes personal is when you have this strong arming of the federal government and of these unions where they're making it all about them and not the American people. They're basically ignoring their neighbor. They're they're basically telling their neighbor and anyone they go to church with if they go to church, they're saying, "Hey, I deserve to make more money doing the exact same thing, but you don't." That's why we should not have lobbyists interfering with anything political, especially when it comes to wages. Because if someone's lobbying for this particular group of people to get better wages in the federal world, so to speak, What about everybody else outside of that? Does that mean they don't deserve to have better wages? See, favoritism doesn't work. It creates problems and we're seeing that again and again and again in these unions. And we see it and it's a kind of a, a direct impact on our economy. Because it affects it affects inflation. I don't like going through inflation. I don't think anybody does. But if we can avoid it, we should. And the way that we avoid inflation is we act responsibly with any and all monies. Because that's what it comes down to is money. I mean, that's that's just how people should look at. It. And that's just from a basic auditor point of view, that's from a basic staff accountant point of view. Because if you don't treat it as basic, then you allow it to become complicated and then you don't know 
what the right hand is doing as opposed to the left hand. Keep it basic and move forward. It should be that simple. And if you practice those things, it is that simple. I just wish the federal government in the United States would would practice that. But the federal government likes to make things so complicated and so complex that it's like, okay, where's our money going? It's the same thing with USPS. It's the exact same thing. Mismanagement on a super large scale. Like I know that USPS can't stand Amazon because they don't like Amazon workers delivering their mail. Well, here's the thing. The mail doesn't belong to USPS. The mail belongs to whoever is supposed to receive it. Cuz I remember back in the day when Amazon started doing uh, deliveries and things like that with Amazon Prime. It really irritated USPS cuz they were claiming, "Oh, you you know, you're just trying to take our jobs." It's like, "No, we're trying to do the job that you are not doing because you're not even good at what you do now." And Amazon made a promise to its customers that, you know, if they purchase Amazon Prime, they get free 2-day shipping. Well, if you can't guarantee it, if you can't do 2-day shipping, we will do it for you. Because we have to honor our contract to our customers that have purchased Amazon Prime. I remember when that hit the fan. And I look at it this way, what if Amazon was in charge of our mail? What if what if they were the ones that distributed our mail? I guarantee you it it would be run so well. Why? Because it's privatized. When you privatize something, there is accountability. But when you have it completely done by the federal government, the federal government is not the type of entity to hold itself accountable because it just likes to spend taxpayers' money frivolously and accrue all this debt and then claim they need more money, more of our money when they don't. They need less of it. They need less money, more accountability is is the thing. Man, maybe I should start praying that Amazon start delivering our mail. I would love that because I know that I would always receive it and it would not get lost like it does these days. But anyway, um that is it for this podcast and um as usual, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole and that you are having a wonderful day, a wonderful week. And I really do pray that if you're in a job that you don't like, I pray that you find a job that you do like and that you make way more money. and that you do well in your life and that you're able to have a 401k you're able to to retire when you want to and also that you're able to take a vacation every year cuz those are those are simple things that are good things that we should have in our life not mandated by unions not mandated by the federal government but they should be goals that we that we each set for ourselves because if we're not setting goals for ourselves then we've kind of thrown in the towel. And I wouldn't want that for anybody. Cuz to throw in the towel means that 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 you don't want something better in your life. And when you don't want something better than than you accept everything that you have as being, well, this is it. It's not it. That, that that's not the end. Every day is a new beginning. Every job you get is a new beginning. Technically every paycheck you get is a new beginning. Look at it as something as new because technically it is. And you will find more joy in that. Like I can get irritated all day and all night about unions. 
you know, and specific ones and things like that. But at the end of the day, I can easily think of ways to help them. I can easily think of ways to make things better. Because it does no good to get irritated about something and then not think outside the box and think, well, you know, what would make this more efficient? What would help people? Because these, these people that are in these unions, they are our neighbors. They, they are fellow citizens of the United States. And that's important. They're people just like you and me. So if anything, they could use our help and guidance. Like I would rather have a union that's run great as opposed to one that's run horribly. Because I think that if you're going to have an organization, regardless of what it is, wh- whether or not I agree with any of it or all of it, all I ever wish for people's organizations is that it's run ethically, morally, and efficiently. And that it's run well. Because that is how you will do the most good for people. Because I'd rather have good things for people than bad. It doesn't matter what my personal opinion is. It doesn't matter what political party I'm in. If someone has an organization and they want to do good in this world, they, they should have that opportunity to do good. Obey the laws, first of all. And if they need help obeying those laws, then they need to be told what to do. And if they need help with efficiency, they should receive that guidance. This is how you do stuff. This is how your, your company... Or your industry. This is how it could be more efficient. It's better to help. Than it is to look the other way. Because I think people have been looking the other way for a long time. In regards to the USPS union. I really do. And I think that's very much a disadvantage. Especially to their workers. Because look at it this way. If their union workers had been. Um, more productive. Or if their work environments were more efficient, they could have been making more money because they would have been doing more. Like people have, would not have been like, oh, I'm not going to mail stuff as much as I used to because their rates are overinflated. But if people see that they're doing good and, they're, and they're, they're doing more and they're more efficient, then they're not going to mind paying more for a stamp. They're not going to mind paying more for a service because that service is actually coming to fruition. But if it doesn't come to fruition and if it's not a good service... That's where a lot of those problems lie. But if we don't address the problem, then you're not going to have a solution. It's not ever going to get better. So then it continues to be a bad investment. It continues to be run poorly. Even though they, they have champagne taste on a beer budget, and sometimes champagne taste on a lemonade budget. But, you know... They have to be willing to change. They have to be willing to embrace something new. It's the same in any decision in our lives. If we don't embrace change, if we don't think outside the box and look at, if we don't face the situation we're having and we don't face it head on, we don't acknowledge it, then it's not ever going to get better. That, that's how it is in everything, whether it's a union or a marriage that's failing or a kid that's not getting good grades in school or, you know, a boss that's a tyrant or an employee that's slacking on the job, you know, whatever it is. If you don't address the actual issue, then you're not going to see good results because you're, you're just sweeping stuff under the rug.
So if anything, I'm all for things getting better, even if I don't agree with every little thing. At least have a good organization. So until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole. Have a good day and a good week. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Don't let this world go down